humble romance by mary e wilkins read for love stories volume four by michelle fry baton rouge louisiana this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. a humble romance she was stooping over the great kitchen sink washing the breakfast dishes under fostering circumstances her slenderness of build might have resulted in delicacy or daintiness now the harmony between strength and task had been repeatedly broken and the result was ugliness her finger joints and wrist bones were knotty and out of proportion her elbows which her rolled-up sleeves displayed were pointed and knobby her shoulders bent her feet spread beyond their natural bounds from head to foot she was a little discordant note she had a pale peaked face her scanty fair hair was strained tightly back and twisted into a tiny knot and her expression was at once passive and eager there came a ringing knock at the kitchen door and a face of another description large strong-featured and assured peered out of the pantry which was over against the sink who is it sally i don't know miss king well go to the door can't you and not stand there gaping i can't my hands are in the butter sally shook the dishwater off her red sodden fingers and shuffled to the door a tall man with a scraggy sandy moustache stood there he had some scales in his hand good morning marm he said have you got any rags i'll see said the girl then she went over to the pantry and whispered to her mistress that it was the tin peddler botheration cried mrs king impatiently why couldn't he have come another day here i am right in the midst of butter and i've got lots of rags and i've got to have some new milk pails right away all of this reached the ears of the tin peddler but he merely stood waiting the corners of his large mouth curving up good-naturedly and scrutinized with pleasant blue eyes the belongings of the kitchen and especially the slight slouching figure at the sink to which sally had returned i suppose said mrs king approaching the peddler at length with decision thinly veiled by doubt that i shall have to trade with you though i don't know how to stop this morning for i'm right in the midst of butter making i wish it had happened along some other day well replied the peddler laughing and so i would marm if i'd only known but i don't just see how i could have unless you'd have pasted it up on the fences or had it put in the newspaper or maybe in the almanac he lounged smilingly against the door casing jingling his scales and waiting for the woman to make up her mind she smiled unwillingly with knitted brows well said she of course you ain't to blame i guess i'll go and pick up my rags up in the garret there's quite a lot of em and it'll take some time i don't know as you'll want to wait lor i don't care answered the peddler i just as soon rest a little as not it's a powerful hot morning for this time of year and i've got all day afore me he came in and seated himself with a loose-jointed sprawl on a chair near the door after mrs king had gone out he sat a few minutes eyeing the girl at the sink intently she kept steadily on with her work though there was a little embarrassment and uncertainty in her face 
would it be too much trouble if i should ask you to give me a tumbler of water miss she filled one of her hot newly washed glasses with water from a pail standing on a shelf at one end of the sink and brought it over to him it's cold she said i drawed it myself just a few minutes ago or i'd get some right out of the well for you this is all right and thank you kindly miss it's proper good water he drained the glass and carried it back to her at the sink where she had returned she did not seem to dare absent herself from her dishwashing task an instant he set the empty glass down beside the pail then he caught hold of the girl by her slender shoulders and faced her around towards him she turned pale and gave a smothered scream there there don't you go to be interfered of me said the peddler i wouldn't hurt you for the whole world i just want to take a square look at you you're the worst off looking little creature i ever set my eyes on she looked up at him pitifully still only half reassured there were inflamed circles around her dilated blue eyes you've been crying ain't you the girl nodded meekly please let me go she said yes i'll let you go but i'm a-goin to ask you a few questions first and i want you to answer em for i'll be hanged if i ever see ain't she good to you indicating mrs king with a wave of the hand towards the door through which she had departed yes she's good enough i guess don't ever scold you hey i don't know i guess so sometimes did this morning didn't she a little i was kind of behind with the work keeps you working pretty steady don't she yes there's considerable to do this time of year cooking for hired men i suppose and butter and milk yes how long have you been living here she took me in when i was little do you do anything besides work go round like other gals have any good times sometimes she said it doubtfully as if casting about in her mind for reminiscences to prove the truth of it get good wages a dollar a week since i was eighteen i worked for my board and clothes afore got any folks i guess i've got some brothers and sisters somewhere i don't know just where two of em went west and one is married somewhere in york state we was scattered when father died there was ten of us and we was awful poor miss king took me i was the youngest about four they said i was i ain't never known any folks but miss king the peddler walked up and down the kitchen floor twice sally kept on with her dishes then he came back to her look a here he said leave your dishwashing alone a minute i want you to give me a good look in the face and tell me what you think of me she looked up shyly in his florid freckled face with its high cheekbones and scraggy sandy moustache then she plunged her hands into the dish-tub again i don't know she said bashfully well maybe you do know only you can't put it into words now just take a look out the window at my tin cart there that's all my own a private concern i ain't running for no company i owns the cart and horse and disposes of the rags and sells the tin all on my own hook and i'm a-doin pretty well at it i'm a-layin up a little money i ain't got no family 
now this is what i was a coming at suppose you should just leave the dishes and the scolding woman and the butter and everything and go a-riding off with me on my tin cart i wouldn't know you and she wouldn't know you and you wouldn't know yourself in a week you wouldn't have a bit of work to do but just sit up there like a queen a-riding and seeing the country for that's the way we'd live you know i wouldn't have you keeping house and slaving we'd stop along the road for vittles and bring up at taverns nights what do you say to it she stopped her dishwashing now and stood staring at him her lips slightly parted and her cheeks flushed i know i ain't much in the way of looks the peddler went on and i'm older than you i'm nearly forty and i've been married for i don't suppose you can take a liking to me right off but you might after a while and i'd take care of you you poor little thing and i don't believe you know anything about how nice it is to be taken care of and have the hard rough things kept off by somebody that likes you still she said nothing but stood staring at him you ain't got no bow have you asked the peddler as a sudden thought struck him no she shook her head and her cheeks flushed redder well what do you say to going with me you'll have to hurry up and make up your mind or the old lady'll be back the girl was almost foolishly ignorant of the world but her instincts were as brave and innocent as an angel's tainted with the shiftless weariness and phlegm of her parents in one direction she was vigorous enough whether it was by the grace of god or an inheritance from some far-off puritan ancestor the fire in whose veins had not burned low she could see if she saw nothing else the distinction between right and wrong with awful plainness nobody had ever called her anything but a good girl it was said with a disparagement maybe but it was always a good girl she looked up at the man before her her cheeks burning painfully hot her eyes at once drooping and searching i, I don't just know how you mean she stammered i wouldn't go with the king if if it wasn't to to go honest the peddler's face flushed as red as hers now look here little un he said you just listen and it's god's own truth if i hadn't a meant all right i wouldn't a come to you but to some other gal handsomer and prettier and but oh lord i ain't that kind anyway what i want is to marry you honest and take care of you and get that look off your face i know it's awful sudden and and it's asking a good deal of a gal to trust so much in a feller she never set eyes on afore if you can't do it i'll never blame you but if you can well i don't believe you'll ever be sorry most folks would think i was a fool too and maybe i am but i wanted to take care on you the minute i set eyes on you and afore i know it the wanting to take care on you will be growing into loving you now you hurry and make up your mind or she will be back sally had a little imagination and a loving nature in her heart as in all girls hearts the shy secret longing for a lover had strengthened with her growth but she had never dreamed definitely of one now she surveyed the homely scrawny good-natured visage before her and it filled well enough the longing nature had placed in her helpless heart his appearance dispelled no previous illusion for previous illusion there had been none no one had ever spoken to her in this way 
rough and precipitate though it was it was skilful wooing for it made its sincerity felt and a girl more sophisticated than this one could not have listened to it wholly untouched the erratic nature of the whole proceeding did not dismay her she had no conscience for conventionalities she was too simple hers only provided for pure right and wrong strange to say the possible injury she would do her mistress by leaving her in this way did not occur to her till afterwards now she looked at her lover and began to believe him and as soon as she began to believe in him poor unattractive ignorant little thing that she was she began to love just like other girls all over her crimson face flashed the signs of yielding the peddler saw and understood them you will won't you little un he cried then as her eyes drooped more before his and her mouth quivered between a sob and a smile he took a step forward and stretched out his arms towards her then he stepped back and his arms fell no cried he i won't i'd like to give you a hug but i won't i won't so much as touch that little lean hand of yours till you're my wife you shall see i mean honest but come along now little un or she will be back i declare if i don't more'n half believe she's fell in a fit or she'd have been back afore now come now dear be spry now said sally in turn now why of course now what's the use of waitin maybe you want to make some wedding cake but i reckon we'd better buy some over in derby for it might put the old lady out the peddler chuckled why i'm just a-going to stow you away in that there tin cart o mine there's plenty of room for i've been on the road a sellin nigh a week and then i'm a-going to drive out of this yard atter i've traded with your missus as innocent as the very innocentest lamb you ever see and i'm a-going to drive along a piece till it's safe and then you're a-going to get out and set up on the seat alongside of me and we're going to keep on till we get to derby and then we'll get married just as soon as we can find a minister as wants to earn a ten-dollar bill but the guest said she'll ask where i am i'll fix that you lay there in the cart and hear what i say lord i just soon tell her to her face myself what we're going to do and set you right up on the seat aside of me afore her eyes but she'd talk hard most likely and, and you look scared enough now and you'd cry and your eyes would get redder and she might sass you so you'd be ready to back out too women can say hard things to other women and they ain't likely to understand any woman but themselves trusting a man overmuch i reckon this is the best way he went towards the door and motioned her to come but i want my bonnet never mind the bonnet i'll buy you one in derby but i don't want to ride into derby bareheaded said sally almost crying well i don't know as you do little un that's a fact but hurry and get the bonnet or she will be here i thought i heard her a minute ago there's a little money i've saved too well get that we don't want to make the old lady valuable presents and you can buy yourself sugar plums with it but be spry she gave him one more scared glance and hastened out of the room her limp calico accommodating itself to every ungraceful hitch of her thin limbs and sharp hips i'll get her a gown with puckers in the back mused the peddler gazing after her then he hastened out to his tin cart and arranged a vacant space in the body of it he had a great coat which he spread over the floor 
there little un let me put you right in he whispered when sally emerged her bonnet on a figured green delaney shawl over her shoulders and her little hoard in an old stocking dangling from her hand she turned round and faced him once more her eyes like a child's peering into a dark room you mean honest before god i do little un now get in quick for she is a comin he had to lift her in for the poor little limbs were too weak to support her they were not a moment too soon for mrs king stood in the kitchen door a second later here you ain't going are you she called out no ma'am just stepped out to look after my hoss he was a trifle uneasy with the flies and there was a yaller wasp buzzing round and the peddler stepped up to the door with an open and artless visage well i didn't know but you'd get tired waitin you spoke so about not being in a hurry that i stopped to pick my white rags out from the colored ones i knew they'd bring more if i did i'd been meanin to have em all sorted out afore a peddler come along i thought i'd have sally pick em over last week but she was sick why where is sally who sally the girl that was washing dishes when you come here she went to the door oh the gal i believe i saw her go out the door a minute afore i went out to see my hoss well i'll call her for she'll never get the dishes done i guess and then we'll see about the rags mrs king strode towards the door but the peddler stopped her now marm if you please said he i'd a little rather you'd attend to business first and call sally arterwards if it's just the same to you for i am getting in a little of a hurry and don't feel as if i could afford to wait much longer well said mrs king reluctantly i don't suppose i ought to ask you to but i do have such discouraging times with health i declare it don't seem to me as if sally ever would get them dishes done well it don't seem to me from what i've seen that she ever will either said the peddler as he gathered up mrs king's rag bags and started for the cart anybody wouldn't need to watch her more than two minutes to see how slow she was assented mrs king following she's a girl i took when she was a baby to bring up and i've wished more than fifty times i hadn't she's a good girl enough but she's awful slow no snap to her how much is them milk pans mrs king was reputedly a sharp woman at a bargain to trade with her was ordinarily a long job for any peddler but to-day it was shortened through skilful management the tin man came down with astonishing alacrity from his first price at the merest suggestion from his customer and in a much shorter time than usual she bustled into the house her arms full of pans and the radiant and triumphant conviction of a good bargain in her face the peddler whirled rapidly into his seat and snatched up the lines but even then he heard mrs king calling the girl as he rattled around the corner a quarter of a mile from mrs king's there was a house a little beyond the road ran through a considerable stretch of woods this was a very thinly settled neighborhood the peddler drove rapidly until he reached the woods then he stopped got down and peered into the cart sally's white face and round eyes peered piteously back at him how are you getting along little un oh let me get out and go back lord no little un you don't want to go back now bless your heart she's all primed for an awful sassin i tell you what tis you shan't ride cooped up in there any longer you shall get out and set up here with me 
we'll keep our ears pricked up and if we hear anybody coming i'll stow you in the box under the seat afore you can say jack robinson and there ain't any houses for three miles he helped the poor shivering little thing out and lifted her up to the high seat when he had seated himself beside her and gathered up the lines he looked down at her curiously her bonnet the severe taste of mrs king had regulated it was a brown straw trimmed with brown ribbon he eyed it disapprovingly i'll get you a white bonnet such as brides wear in derby said he she blushed a little at that and glanced up at him a little grateful light over her face you poor little thing said the peddler and put out his hands towards her then drew it back again derby was a town with the prestige of a city it was the centre of trade for a large circle of little country towns its main street was crowded on a fair day when the roads were good and with any quantity of nondescript and antediluvian-looking vehicles and the owners therefore presented a wide variety of quaintness in person and attire so this eloping pair the tall bony shambling man and the thin cowed looking girl her scant skirts slipping too far below her waistline in the back and following the movements of her awkward heels excited no particular attention after the tin cart had been put up in the hotel stable and the two had been legally pronounced man and wife or specifically mr and mrs jake russell they proceeded on foot down the principal street in which all the shops were congregated in search of some amendments to the bride's attire if it was comparatively unnoticed sally was fully alive to the unsuitableness of her costume she turned around and followed with wistful eyes the prettily dressed girls they met there was a great regret in her heart over her best gown a brown delaney with a flounce on the bottom and a shiny back she had so confidently believed in its grandeur so long that now seen by her mental vision it hardly paled before these splendors of pleating and draping it compared advantageously in her mind with a brown velvet suit whose wearer looked with amusement in her eyes at sally's forlorn figure if she only had on her brown delaney she felt that she could walk more confidently through this strangeness but nervously snatching her bonnet and her money she had in fact heard mrs king's tread on the attic stairs and had not dared to stop longer to secure it she knew they were out on the search for a new dress for her now but she felt a sorrowful conviction that nothing could be found which could fully make up for the loss of her own beloved best gown and then sally was not very quick with her needle she thought with dismay of the making up the possibility of being aided by a dressmaker or a ready-made costume never entered her simple mind jake shambled loosely down the street and she followed meekly after him a pace or two behind at length the peddler stopped before a large establishment in whose windows some ready-made ladies garments were displayed here we are he said triumphantly sally stepped weakly after him up the broad steps one particular dress in the window had excited the peddler's warm admiration it was a trifle florid in design with dashes of red here and there sally eyed it a little doubtfully when the clerk at jake's request had taken it down to show them untutored as her taste was she turned as naturally to quiet plumage as a wood-pigeon the red slashes rather alarmed her 
however she said nothing against her husband's decision to purchase the dress she turned pale at the price it was nearly the whole of her precious store but she took up her stocking purse determinedly when jake began examining his pocket-book i pays for this she said to the clerk lifting up her little face to him with scared resolve why no you don't little un cried jake catching hold of her arm i'm a-going to pay for it of course it's a pity if i can't buy my own wife a dress sally flushed all over her lean throat but she resolutely held out the money no she said again shaking her head obstinately i pays for it the peddler let her have her way then though he bit his scraggy moustache with amaze and vexation as he watched her pay the bill and stare with a sort of frightened wistfulness after her beloved money as it disappeared in the clerk's grasp when they emerged from the store the new dress under his arm he burst out what on earth made you do that lillen other folks does that way when they gets married they buys their own clothes if they can but it took pretty nearly all you got didn't it that ain't no matter the peddler stared at her half in consternation half in admiration well said he i guess you got a little will of your own arter all little un and i'm glad on it a woman ought to have a little will to back her sweetness it's all too soft and slushy other ways but i'll get even with you about the dress which he proceeded to do by ushering his startled bride into the next dry goods establishment and purchasing a dress pattern of robin eggs blue silk and a delicate white bonnet sally however insisted on buying a plain sun hat with the remainder of her own money she was keenly alive to the absurdity and peril of that airy white structure on the top of a tin cart the pair remained in derby about a week then they started forth on their travels the blue silk which a derby dressmaker had made up after the prevailing mode and the white bonnet stowed away in a little new trunk in the body of the cart the peddler having only himself to consult as to his motions struck a new route now sally wished to keep away from her late mistress's vicinity she had always a nervous dread of meeting her in some unlikely fashion she wrote a curious little ill-spelled note to her at the first town where they stopped after leaving derby whether or not mrs king was consoled and mollified by it she never knew their way still lay through a thinly settled country the tin peddler found readier customers in those farmers wives who were far from stores it was late spring often they rode for a mile or two through the lovely fresh woods without coming to a single house the girl had never heard of arcadia but all unexpressed to herself she was riding through it under gold-green boughs to the sweet broken jangle of tinware when they stopped to trade at the farmhouses how proudly she sat a new erectness in her slender back and held her husband's horse tightly while he talked with the woman of the house with now and then a careful glance towards her to see if she were safe they always contrived to bring up on a sabbath day at some town where there was a place of worship then the blue silk and the white bonnet were taken reverently from their hiding-place and sally full of happy consciousness went to church with her husband in all her bridal bravery 
these two simple pilgrims with all the beauty and grace in either of them turned only towards each other and seen rightly only in each other's untutored uncritical eyes had journeyed together blissfully for about three months when one afternoon jake came out of a little country tavern where they had proposed stopping for the night with a pale face sally had been waiting on the cart outside until he should see if they could be accommodated he jumped up beside her and took the lines we'll go on to where he said in a dry voice it's only three miles further they're full here jake drove rapidly along an awful look on his homely face giving it the beauty of tragedy sally kept looking up at him with pathetic wonder but he never looked at her or spoke till they reached the last stretch of woods before ware village then just before they left the leafy cover he slackened his speed a little and threw his arm around her see here little un he said brokenly you've got considerable backbone ain't you if anything awful should happen it wouldn't kill you you'd bear up if you told me to he caught at her words eagerly i would tell you to little un i do tell you to if anything awful ever should happen you'll remember that i told you to bear up yes i'll bear up then she clung to him trembling oh what is it jake never mind now little un he answered perhaps nothing awful's going to happen i didn't say there was chirk up and give us a kiss and look at that there sky there all pink and yaller he tried to be cheerful and comfort her with joking endearments then but the awful lines in his face stayed rigid and unchanged under the smiles sally however had not much discernment and little of the sensitiveness of temperament which takes impressions of coming evil she soon recovered her spirits and was unusually merry for her the whole evening making out of the excess of her innocence and happiness several little jokes which made jake laugh loyally and set his stricken face harder the next minute in the course of the evening he took out his pocket-book and displayed his money and counted it jokingly then he spoke in a careless casual manner of a certain sum he had deposited in a country bank and how if he were taken sick and needed it sally could draw it out as well as he then he spoke of the value of his stock in trade and horse and cart when they went to bed that night he had told his wife without her suspecting he was telling her all about his affairs she fell asleep as easily as a child jake lay rigid and motionless till he had listened an hour to her regular breathing then he rose softly lighted a candle which he shaded from her face and sat down at a little table with a pen and a paper he wrote painfully with cramped muscles his head bent on one side following every movement of his pen yet with a confident steadiness which seemed to show that all the subject matter had been learned by heart beforehand then he folded the paper carefully around a little book which he took from his pocket and approached the bed keeping his face turned away from his sleeping wife he laid the little package on his vacant pillow still keeping his face aside then he got into his clothes quickly his head turned persistently from the bed and opened the door softly and went out never once looking back when sally awoke the next morning she found her husband gone and a little package on the pillow she opened it more curious than frightened there was a note folded around a bank book 
sally spelled out the note laboriously with whitening lips and dilating eyes it was a singular composition its deep feeling pricking through its illiterate stiffness dear wife i've got to go and leave you it's the only way if i can ever come back i will i told you about my business last night you'd better drive the cart to derby to that mr arms i told you about and he'll help you sell it and the hoss tell him your husband had to go away and left them orders i've left you my bank book so you can get the money out of the bank the way i told you and my watch and pocketbook is under the pillow i left you all the money except what little i couldn't get along without you'd better get boarded somewhere in derby you'll have enough money to keep you a while and i'll send you some more when that's gone if i have to work my fingers to the bone don't you go worrying and working hard and bear up don't forget that you promised me to bear up when you gets to feeling awful bad and you will just say it over to yourself he told me to bear up and i said as i would bear up excuse poor writing and a bad pen yours till death j russell when sally had read the letter quite through she sat still a few minutes on the edge of the bed her lean round-shouldered figure showing painfully through her clinging nightdress her eyes staring straight before her then she rose dressed herself put the bank book with the letter folded around it and her husband's pocket-book in her bosom and went downstairs quietly just before she went out of her room door she paused with her hand on the latch and muttered to herself he told me to bear up and i said i would bear up she sought the landlady to pay her bill and found that it was already paid and that her recreant husband had smoothed over matters in one direction for her by telling the landlord that he was called away on urgent business and that his wife was to take the tin cart next morning and meet him at a certain point so she drove away on her tin cart in solitary state without exciting any of the wondering comments which would have been agony to her when she gathered up the lines and went rattling down the country road if ever there was a zealous discipline of a new religion she was one her prophet was her raw-boned peddler husband and her creed and whole confession of faith his parting words to her she did not take the road to derby she had made up her mind about that as she sat on the edge of the bed after reading the letter she drove straight along the originally prescribed route stopping at the farmhouses taking rags and selling tin just as she had seen her husband do there were much astonishment and many curious questions among her customers a woman running a tin cart was an unprecedented spectacle but she explained matters with meek dignity to all who questioned her her husband had gone away and she was to attend to his customers until he should return she could not always quite allay the suspicion that there must needs be something wrong but she managed the trading satisfactorily and gave good bargains and so went on her way unmolested but not a farmyard did she enter or leave without the words sounding in her beating little heart like a strong encouraging chant he told me to bear up and i said as i would bear up when her stock ran low she drove to derby to replenish it here she had opposition from the dealers but her almost abnormal persistence overcame it 
she showed jake's letter to mr arms the tin dealer with whom she traded and he urged her to take up with the advice in it promising her a good bargain but she was resolute soon she found that she was doing as well as her husband had done if not better her customers after they had grown used to the novelty of a tin woman instead of a tin man liked her in addition to the regular stock she carried various little notions needed frequently by housewives such as pins needles thread etc she often stayed at a farmhouse overnight than a tavern and frequently stopped over at one a few days in severe weather after her trip to derby she always carried a little pistol probably more to guard jake's watch and property than herself whatever money she did not absolutely require for current expenses went to swell jake's little hoard in the derby bank during the three years she kept up her lonely travelling little remittances came directly to her from time to time in the care of mr arms when one came sally cried pitifully and put it into the bank with the rest she never gave up expecting her husband she never woke up one morning without the hope in her heart that he would come that day every golden dawn showed a fair possibility to her and so did every red sunset she scanned every distant approaching figure in the sweet country roads with the half conviction in her heart that it was he and when nearness dispelled the illusion her heart bounded bravely back from its momentary sinking and she looked ahead for another traveller still he did not come for three years from the spring he went away except through the money remittances which gave no clue but the new york postmark on the envelope she had not heard from him one june afternoon a poor lonely pilgrim now without her beloved swain driving through her old arcadian solitudes whose enchanted meaning was lost to her heard a voice from behind calling to her above the jangling of the tin sally 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 she turned and there he was running after her she turned her head quickly and stopping the horse sat perfectly still her breath almost gone with suspense she did not dare look again for fear she had not seen aright the hurrying steps came nearer and nearer she looked when they came abreast the cart it was he it always seemed to her that she would have died if it had not been that time jake jake oh sally he was up on the seat before she could breathe again and his arms around her jake i did bear up i did i know you did little un mr arms told me all about it oh you dear little un you poor little un a driving around on this cart all alone jake laid his cheek against sally's and sobbed don't cry jake i've earned money i have and it's in the bank for you oh you blessed little un sally they said hard things about me to you in derby didn't they she started violently at that there was one thing which had been said to her in derby and the memory of it had been a repressed terror ever since yes they said how you'd run off with another woman what did you say i didn't believe it i did sally well you've come back afore i married you i'd been married afore by all that's good and great little un i thought my wife was dead her folks said she was when i come home from peddling one time she was gone and they said she was off on a visit i found out in a few weeks she'd run off with another fella 
i went off peddling again without caring much what become of me about a year afterwards i saw her death in a paper and i wrote to her folks and they said twas true they were a bad lot the whole of em i got took in but she had a mighty pretty face and a tongue like honey and i suppose i was green three years ago when i went into that there tavern in grover there she was in the kitchen a-cookin the fellow she run off with had left her and she'd been trying to hunt me up she was awful poor and had come across this place and took it she was allers a good cook and she suited the customers first rate i guess they liked to see her pretty face round too confound her well little un she knew me right off and hung on to me and cried and begged me to forgive her and when she spied you sitting there on the cart she tore i had to hold her to keep her from going out and telling you the whole story i thought you'd die if she did i didn't know then how you could bear up little un if you ain't got backbone jake i did bear up i know you did you blessed little critter well she said if i didn't leave you and go with her she'd expose me as soon as she found she'd got the weapons in her own hands and could have me up for bigamy she didn't cry so much and wasn't quite so humble well little un then i run off and left you i couldn't stay with you if you wasn't my wife and twas all the way to stop her tongue i met her that night and we went to new york i got lodgings for her and then i went to work in a box factory and supported her i never went nigh her from one week's end to the other i couldn't do it without having murder in my heart but i kept her in money every scrap i could save i sent to you but i used to lay awake nights worrying for fear you'd want things well it's all over she died a month ago and i saw her buried i knowed she was dead when you begun to tell me about her because you'd come yes she's dead this time and i'm glad don't you look scared little un i hope the lord'll forgive me but i'm glad she was a bad un you know sally was she sorry i don't know little un sally's head was resting peacefully on jake's shoulder golden flecks of light sifted down on them through the rustling maple and locust boughs the horse with bent head was cropping the tender young grass at the side of the road now we'll start up the horse and go to derby and get married all over again sally she raised her head suddenly and looked up at him with eager eyes jake well little un oh jake my blue silk dress and white bonnet is in the trunk in the cart just the same and i can get em out and put em on under the trees there and wear em to be married in end of a humble romance by mary e wilkins read by michelle fry baton rouge louisiana in october two thousand twenty